Isn't it great when we can get two things at once? Here at WERU, we're dedicated to bringing you the great music you love and informing you of the latest news. Headlines in the morning and late afternoon when you need it the most, and great music throughout the day and throughout the evening. Music and information, all supported by listeners like you. Please take a moment right now to support the station that gives you the best of both worlds. Call 1-800-643-6273 or donate online at www.weru.org. Thanks. Boat Talk is made possible in part by the Red Fern Boat Company of Hancock County. Since 1982, offering maintenance, storage, and restoration for power boats and sailboats. Also offering dockage on Mount Desert Island, redfernboat.com. It's 10.01 and you are tuned to WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor, and streaming online everywhere at weru.org. Boat Talk with your host, Ellen Sprague, is up next. Good morning, good morning. It's uh, second Tuesday of the month, 10 a.m. here at Community Radio, WERU-FM, Blue Hill 89.9, 99.9 in Bangor and around the globe at WERU.org. It's time for Boat Talk here. Boat Talk is the call-in show for people contemplating things naval with your... Rusty, one anchor today, Alan Sprague. Mike Joyce is off. Uh, he's on a delivery, actually. He's was uh, took a trip down to the Coast Guard Academy. I think it's in Rhode Island. Um, anyway, somewhere down south of here, and is bringing back uh, a boat that was made by the Morris Company about a year and a half ago for a little uh, adjustment, and then he's going to turn around and bring it right back down to the Coast Guard Academy. And so he's out there uh, on the on the. Cold, cold seas, I would say, right now, even though it's a nice day here in Orland. It's kind of cold on the water in November, and uh, he's, uh, I guess we'll say he's getting some, some fodder for a future chatter we'll get from him at some date, but right now it's just going to be Alan Sprague along with uh, Giffy Fool, of course, great back to have Giffy back here again. It's going to be a, a good day with Giffy, and we also have a special guest too, Ben Ellison. Ben Ellison, some of you long-time WERU listeners may remember Ben Ellison as a as an occasional program on WERU. Uh, welcome to, to Boat Talk, Ben. Oh, glad to be here. Thanks, Alan. Ben is a uh, uh, electronics wizard nowadays. and has uh, all kinds of uh, magazine connections and uh, also writes for Maine Boats, Homes, and Harbors to one of my favorite columns is uh, Travels with Gizmo. Gunk holing with gizmo. Gunk holing with gizmo, <laughs> right. right. Yes. I, I disavow wizard. Wizard. I just write about marine electronics an awful yeah. lot. Okay. No, yeah. no, no sparks fly from you then, huh? <laughs> uh, so, I, I am obsessed yes. with it. Yes. And a, uh, Boat Talk is a call-in show, too, for anybody has any uh, anything, uh, questions or comments you'd like to make. Maybe you're putting your boat away and you have some questions about just uh, just how... Uh, what to do with uh, when rising your engine or whatever, give us a call at one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. We'd be glad to, to uh, 
give you our best advice anyway. Sometimes our advice here and Boat Talk tends to be a little bit dingy, but that's okay. So I thought we'd start off with uh, a question I've already told Ben about how much time has changed in the last, what, 30, 40, 50 years when uh, we all used to go out on the water with uh, a compass and an RDF maybe and uh, a little bit of a gumption, I guess you'd say. To <laughs> yeah, some, sometimes way back when, the fishermen started some of this electronic stuff when they would buy surplus aircraft Lorraine's and put them aboard their draggers. From World War II, you mean? Yeah, yeah. World War II surplus aircraft Lorraine. Yeah, Lorraine A, probably then. Yeah. I, I used Lorraine A in 1980, 79. Yeah. Um, not very good, actually, <laughs> in the Caribbean. Really? Well, there, well down in the, the Caribbean, yeah, there was yeah. only one line. Oh, yeah. So then we were get combining. Down the Caribbean, with, the Western, right. Western uh, Caribbean. It's uh, Latin America. No, no, you didn't get any <laughs> signal that was reliable. Right. Yeah. Well, G for, for GPS you, made a big change. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for you non-boaters, we should explain that Loran was probably one of the first uh, electronic navigation devices where a signal was sent from uh, some antennas along the along the coast, and uh, somehow the Lorraine would be able to calculate the difference in signals from these time difference. antennas. Time difference. Time difference, yeah. yes. Exactly. And, uh, but uh, they, they work very well. And I had a, a, a fairly, well, relatively early commercial Lorraine, and um, I used it a lot in the wintertime doing oceanographic work. Mm. And... Uh, it was, you know, quite. It's old, it's old uh, style now. But you used to have to match up signals, signal match. You match them visually. Lorraine yeah. A, right? Yeah. I remember and, you know, that. You just it's ran the dials, and after you got mm -hmm. all the three different sets of signals uh, matched up, read the dials, and that's your position. That's where you were. Yeah. yeah. Are, are you aware that there was? There was a movement, and there's, it's still going on in Europe, to reestablish Lorraine as a backup to GPS. Yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, that was canned in the United States by our present administration. Big, big disappointment to me and a lot of other people. Huh. Um, well, I, I think that took place quite a while ago. Cause it, they, no, it, it finally happened about 16 months ago. The final, yeah. they, were, they were actually investing money. Some of the Lorraine stations were upgraded to eLorraine better atomic yeah. clock signals and, and stuff like that. And then uh, they finally decided to pull all the funding and they took down some of the towers. They're gone. Hmm. Wow. This, yeah. this is all under NOAA? Uh, Department of Homeland Security, Department of Transportation. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of bureaus were involved. Mm -hmm. But there was a mandate to come up with a secondary uh, electronic navigation system to GPS. Great concern that GPS could be spoofed. Or, or, or just knock out the satellite some way or another. Yeah, yeah. It's a very weak signal. Hmm. So, um, but they're still working on what the secondary means <laughs> is going to be. It's, it's, it's not happened. So, hmm. so we're we're exposed. Um, though there's been very few failures or cases of. Are they spoofing. moving forward still in Europe with it? Yes. Hmm. Yeah, but they're disappointed because to manufacture the products and stuff, you want. You know, the, the whole world market. using them, right. Yeah, hmm. yeah it isn't going to be any good just to have it in some areas, you know. Well, for local boats. And yeah, but like I mean, yeah. <clears throat> can't have it as a general system without 
I would say everywhere. Yeah. They are improving the GPS system. In Glasnost, the European GPS, is, or that's the Russian one, has is, is been improved. So there's multiple GPS constellations up there. Good thing. Uh -huh. um, before I forget about it again, um, I'd like to make an announcement about the, uh, our friends at the Apprentice Shop down in Rockland. They're uh, having a special feature this winter for anybody who might be considering uh, learning how to uh, build a boat, starting out with building a, a, a small skiff. They're going to be offering a 12-week 12, 12 program interested for anybody over 18 interested in building a boat. And the nice thing about it is uh, between now and the end of December, you can roll into this program at half the tuition cost, and then you can start the program at any time during the winter that's convenient for you. It just ends up being 12 weeks after you start. So it's an interesting thing where you, you build a, a, a skiff, and if you want to keep the skiff, you just pay for the materials too, and then that thing is yours. If you'd like some more information, you can go to the uh, Apprentice Shop website, which is simply the Apprentice Shop, no, excuse me, Apprentice Shop, dot org or their phone number is uh, area code two two zero seven five nine four one eight zero zero and uh, we do have a phone call though so we have one person who's called one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight good morning and welcome to boat talk thank you it's Fred in Tennant Harbor hi Fred and uh, I like backup and I just uh, remembered that uh, Maybe only the uh, some airlines used inertial navigation systems. I just wonder uh, if that could possibly be a backup system or even primary for navigation on the ocean. Um, I, I, I'm not aware of any inertial systems that are scaled to recreational boats yet. I know some of the racing sailboats are using them. Uh -huh. um, uh, but that's for precision more than backup, I believe. Huh, and they're probably pretty darn expensive, even if they were mass-produced, perhaps? Uh, yeah. Right. I, I've been, I don't know if people have watched the America's Cup preliminaries being raced on these 45-foot catamarans. Mm -hmm. uh, it's pretty neat, because they're now overlaying the lay lines and finish line and all that on the live video footage. Uh, just like the the yard line in football. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's done with super precision GPS with inertial um, help. That's huh. in the helicopters. That's in the camera boats. It's in the race boats. Wow, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's pretty neat. It looks good. Huh. It, it makes it easier to understand the racing. And they're going so fast, you don't want them to cut huh. away to explain who's huh. ahead or stuff like that. I'm, so now, now the next question is, can you interface all that stuff with the autopilot so you can have a crewless race? <laughs> <laughs> these, these catamarans, I think, have very little electronics on them themselves. That's mm -hmm. real, like, fleet in, in match racing. You know, mm -hmm. they're so quick. They're so close together. They have speedos and wind instruments. But the technology is going to the broadcasting of it. And the judging. The judges are on land now. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Certainly is getting to be a very gentleman's sport, isn't it? Have you seen it? They wear helmets, Alan. <laughs> oh, yeah, they have to. Some of those end over ends things they do. Those That's are, right. Those are pretty scary. Yeah. Well, thank you, Fred. Right. Thanks a lot. Thanks for the question. Fred called one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. If you have any sort of question or comment for Boat Talk, give us a call. It's a good day for phone calls. Tell us, tell us a little bit about what you do. 
Um, I, well, I've been writing about marine electronics for about 12 years now, and <clears throat> I write for several of the big magazines. I, I'm writing less, actually, in supervising other uh, electronics writers, hopefully, so they yeah. get their facts right. But the main thing I write now is uh, PAMBO, a blog about marine electronics that I've been doing for about six years. And I sort of moved up. I, when I first started doing it, I would get equipment and fool with it in my basement or in a skiff. Or, but now I've got a Duffy 37 called Gizmo that's a terrific test platform. I, got, I have four radar systems on it, <laughs> uh, side scanning sonar, lots of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it, that's great. You, so don't, you don't install any of this stuff. Yeah, I install it you all. You do? Yes, I do. Yeah. No? Okay. Yeah. Because I know a man down in South Freeport that he in, he he doesn't. I don't think he sells the stuff. He installs it. Yeah. Just that that stuff only. Then, in, in most cases, he takes the owner or the professional skipper, whatever the yard is, and teaches them how to use the stuff. Yes. From <clears throat> start to finish. That's done a fair amount in the by dealer installers and boatyards with, with real electronic shops and that sort of stuff. Yeah. I, I, I go to the NMEA conference every year, and I'm, I, I know a lot of dealer installers yeah. as well as the manufacturers. And um, Yeah, it's a very challenging field because yeah. it's changing oh, yeah. so yeah. rapidly. Um, and when I say I install stuff, you might not want me to install stuff on your boat. <laughs> oh, no, I've got, <laughs> I've got all that gadgetry on my boat. Well, I mean, I'm just I not, even I, got a cell phone. <laughs> I'm not crack. I'm not a crack no, installer, no, but no. I get away with it. And yeah, it's, yeah. you know, it's sort of temporary. No, I, uh, I change stuff a lot. No, I mean, uh, I've had a plotter in all my boats for years. You know. mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not, I don't say that I'm real good with it. A lot of it is complicated. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, there's a saying among the manufacturers, uh, 2080, yeah. that 80% uh, of the users only use 20% of the functions. Well, th I think that's absolutely <laughs> true because right. I use what's, I found I use what's most reliable for me and uh, and convenient. And... The, the problem for the manufacturers is it's not always the same 20%. <laughs> yeah. you know, some people like this and some people like that. And there, there's a real effort, I think, now to, well, in all electronics, including shoreside, make things simpler. We, we sort of went through a period of incredible complication and too many features, and, yeah. you know, yeah. and people really don't like it. Yeah. You know, they respond, and they, you know, Garmin has done very well by keeping things very simple. Yeah, um, I think, I think there's... Equipment is excellent, actually. It's very good. But sometimes if you're an advanced user, you may go, but where's this or that yeah. feature? And somewhere back at Garmin, they sit, you know, they always challenge the engineers, do we really need that? Does yeah. the consumer really, really need that? Because mm -hmm. uh, it makes things, the more choices there are in menus, the more people are apt to get confused and just not go there. Right. Mm -hmm. Now I'll ask you the $65,000 question. Uh, are you aware of any cases where, for some reason, um, a GPS brings up the wrong information? Um, 
I've heard of occasional cases. I've heard of GPS jamming. A signal interference or something. Uh, yeah, not the wrong information. That would be terrible. You know, failure of your GPS where it says, beep, beep, I don't have a location. You can deal with that. Yeah. If it's telling you, if it's being spoofed, if it's thinking it's somewhere it's yeah. not, yeah. that's not good. Yeah. <laughs> um, no. no, I'm not aware of that. Um, no, my, my son had a situation in his ship where he discovered the chart plotter was reading about a thousand yards in error. And they never... He never did find out why. They they suspected that there's some interference with the signals. Well, there there are some confusions because charts are built with different datums, which are like the reference points of the chart on the surface of the Earth. Yeah. And if you don't tell uh, a GPS what the correct datum is, it's not going to place you on the chart in the right place. Now, in the United States, and most of... Uh, you know, the Atlantic nations, we all use the same datum, so no complication. But there are some odd datums out there. And if you go in the back menus of a GPS, you'll find what datum do you want to use. And that's something, you know, if any doubt should be checked and not a good thing. Um, yeah. It used to be in paper chart days, you, you did all your navigation in reference to the chart. So it really didn't matter if the chart was not if the latitude and longitude yeah, was yeah. in a different yeah. formula that yeah. for, for that section of the Earth. But it matters now. Mm. So you're saying then that it, if I, as average Joe owner, buy myself a brand new chart plotter and want to install it and go ahead and do it, I really probably should have a professional at least check it when it's done to make sure it really is where I think it should be uh, or where it should be. No, I'm just talking about in, in exotic lands. If you go cruising out into the South Pacific, or I don't know where your son was. Was it somewhere? In California. California. Yeah. That shouldn't be a problem. I mean, the, yeah. the GPS comes set for, I think it's called WGS, World Geodetic Survey 84 mm. or something. Mm. the agreed on datum. No, I think you can install a chart plotter. And but the always, other, oh, yeah. always a good idea to check against reality. <laughs> you know? uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, make sure the buoy yeah. that is on the <laughs> chart is really where it should but be. But all this equipment, as good as it is, is probably no better than the operator. Absolutely true. Yeah. Absolutely true. You can't, um, you can't uh, invent sea time experience yeah. at sea. Yeah. Um, I've, I've had some funny ones over the years. I was holding trial runs on a rather significant yacht on the coast here and because the boat was changing hands and we were offshore running her and uh, I said to the captain, I said, uh, I asked him if he would put her on the autopilot. I wanted to run her on the several different courses on the autopilot. And the boat was about seven years old, maybe eight years old. And he said, oh, I, I don't know. He says, I've never used it. <laughs> I've never used it. Well, I kind of surmised why. But he told me, I said, well, how come you've never used it? He said, well, this boat cruises at 22 knots. And generally, I'm the only one running it. And... If I have to step away for a few minutes for something, that's not a good thing. 
And I therefore, he said, I've never used it. He said, 22 knots, stuff happens so quick. Yeah. It's, yeah, I feel the same way about yeah. cruise control on the throughway myself, too. But Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, you I, wouldn't step away from your wheel. Well, right? yeah. no. But, but, but no, well, I feel the same way. I very seldom use a cruise control in my car. Mm. Very seldom. I don't either. But I do use autopilots, and they've improved autopilots yeah. a lot. My take is you can you can do something foolish, yeah, yeah with technology yeah, yeah. or without it. Yeah, but uh, but the point is, it's not the fault of the equipment; it's the fault of the person operating it. Absolutely. Yeah. No, yeah. I think I mean modern marine electronics. The the ideal, in my view, is it's so informative that you can get the information you want off it very quickly, so that your head is outside the boat, so that you can look around. Yeah. Um, and. and I see that's true. However, I have 40 years of navigation yeah, under my yeah, yeah. feet, and I yeah. spend a lot of time scratching marks on paper charts and wondering where yeah. the heck I was. Well, <laughs> I'm probably old, very old-fashioned, but I, I basically never, you know, I do a lot, lot of fairly long trips in my boat, and I never run her without the chart available. Hmm. Available. Because I like to double-check things. So you have one of those plastic covers that, in case of bad weather, you can just... No, no, I have a pilot house. (laughs) 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 That's even better. You can put yourself inside of it, too. (laughs) Are are either of you aware of um, Active Captain? I thought that might be an interesting thing to tell people about. No, no, no. Active Captain is a website where people who cruise anywhere in the world, but particularly it's the East Coast people can share information about marinas, uh, anchorages, hazards yeah. in the waterway. And it was actually started in Casting, Maine. Um, it's totally free, um, and it's, it's excellent. And it's now, there's a number of charting programs and iPad apps and stuff that will download the data so you got it right with you on the boat. Yeah. Um, it, there's many places where it's the best information available. Yeah. Yeah. spot better than some of the cruising guides and they have about 10,000 people now contributing mm. wow. information and it really works active captain good thing to know about mm. well here's something completely different too I was reading in the uh, Maine Coastal News <coughs> out just uh, a few days ago uh, there's a little article about uh, there was a uh, a world's largest college sailing championships. They got, um, I forget just how many different colleges. It was 400 different collegiates, collegiate um, members who uh, participated in this, in this race of all different uh, college sizes and uh, from all across the country. And the overall winner after all these races was Maine Maritime Academy. Yeah, really? Yeah. Yeah, they did a good job. Yeah. They have a good, they they have a very good program. Yeah. They do, and uh, so congratulations to Maine Maritime Academy. Here, here. They were undefeated. They had four races. The fourth one was called, but the other three were all won by Maine Maritime Academy. Wow. I did not know that. Yeah. They've got to have a shorter training season than probably most anybody. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Unless they go to Florida or something in the winter for training for right. a couple of weeks. I don't know. I think they stretch the season. Yeah. <laughs> With wetsuits. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right. You've got to toughen them up some way. 
So, 1-866-625-9378 is the number into WERU Boat Talk if you'd like to make a contribution. We're here with uh, Ben Ellison, uh, electronics sub-wizard, <laughs> guru. Writer. Uh, writer, yes, yes. You write for, uh, you said several magazines. Why don't you I, I'm the electronics editor of Yachting Magazine right now and Cruising World Magazine, and uh, I'm involved with saltwater sportsmen or fishermen, uh, Marlin Magazine, wow. mega, boating, huh. a lot well, of magazines. I'll ask you another one. What's your favorite system? What's your favorite oh. track <laughs> That that requires. I always tell people, and it's really true. Uh, I'm, I, I'd be hard put to. I I think I'm very fond of the Simrad's latest stuff that I have a lot of on on the boat. Um, but when people say what is the best system, I always tell them, you know, that's that's so subjective. It's who you are, what kind of boating you're going to do, what sort of. Which 20% uh, you like. Yeah. yeah, how deep you're going to get into it. Furuno, for instance, sort of the range is Furuno to Garmin. Garmin being uh, generally the easiest to use, but often not the best sensors. They don't have a terrific radar. They don't have a terrific fish finder. Furuno has excellent sensors, tons of options, pretty complicated stuff huh. to use. Well, we have a, um, a phone call, so let's, let's sure. go to that. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. Hi, me and me again, then, Tenants Harbor. Um, just wonder if you uh, have handy and would read um, the uh, something to Mariners that's on the old charts, and hopefully it would be uh, be part of all the electronic jazz, uh, something about the prudent Mariner. Does anybody have that handy? Well, we have no charts in here, actually. Um, but I think I know what you, you, there's a notice, to, I think it's called Mariners, where they sort of a disclaimer saying Exactly. That, yeah. yeah. Which is included in all chart plotters and electronic charts. And, Great. Um, and should be on every chart. Charts are not, uh, you know, perfect by any means. Well, and it, I, I love it as a, as a reminder in life to, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, check and double check sometimes to uh, see what's true and what isn't. I discovered last summer the uh, Sawyer's Cove, Jonesport, been up there in years. Got a great big breakwater, uh, you know, that cuts off most of the cove. Makes it quite a nice mooring. Not on the chart. <laughs> not on Noah's chart. Not on any of the electronic charts. I said, so when was it built? 1985. <laughs> Boy. I contacted uh, Sawyer's Cove, Jonesport. Okay. Big federal project. Yeah, build this giant yeah. breakwater, steel and concrete. Yeah, yeah. I contacted Noah, and they said, well, uh, they thought it would take a couple more years to get it on the chart because they, they do their own aerial surveys. And Actually, I made such a fuss about it, it got on the chart. Uh, <laughs> I have some little power. Well, yeah. <laughs> but these are two federal agencies. You'd think they'd be able to talk with each other a little bit. Yeah, well, the, yes, the whole thing, I'm sure, it was probably paid for with federal money and permitted down to the inch mm -hmm. where it was. So mm -hmm. if that information had just gone to Noah, yeah. boom. Yeah. But it didn't. Um, well, very good. Well, Thank, thanks a lot. Thanks for that phone call. And we do have another one, too. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. Good morning. Ah, Captain Yo. It's Captain Yo. Hey, Yo. Am I on the air? I hear somebody speaking. Uh, no, it's you. Oh, very well. Um, if our, you and our listeners don't mind a segue from a high-tech subject to an antique subject, 
I thought I'd offer an update on my uh, Santa Maria project. Oh, good. I have an update, too, but go ahead. I got her in the water for Columbus Day and uh, okay. did some initial sea trials and rearranged the rigging. And uh, later in October, I took her out in Blue Hill Bay with the boys from Morris, uh, Mark Tubbs, in 20 knots of breeze. And it was really quite remarkable how well she sailed. I had thought that the sprit sail would be a difficult sail to set. Oddly enough, it seems to stay full of wind and keep her off. The main sail was harder to set because it was problematic to brace it around hard enough. But what I found was if she luffs up a little bit, the main sail starts to luff, and that shifts the center of effort forward, which makes her head off again. I did manage to get a very short video of the action, which is now posted on YouTube. I don't have the URL, but it can be found under Santa Maria Columbus Discovery Ship Sailing Model, Blue Hill Bay, Maine. <laughs> I believe should be enough to find the, uh, the action. Yeah. And the photography that we've been doing of these models is really quite remarkable because you really get a sense of the excitement of model sailing. So uh, I'm going to keep experimenting with the antique type. It, the sail set and the rigging is very different from what we know on modern schooners and other uh, higher aspect rig. But it is possible to balance the rig and get different courses. And you can really see how a vessel like that could be stable on a course over, over the ocean. And that's sort of the first thing they were going for. Anyway, thanks for providing me with an opportunity to let people know about uh, Santa Maria. And they can find that and my other vessels at flamingfish.net on the web. Thanks for running the show, Alan. Well, thank you, Yo. And my update, too, is that Yo sent a, a copy of that video to boattalk.org. And um, I was unable to post the video. I Turns out that I have to get the uh, a link from YouTube, and I haven't been able to figure out how to do that yet. But so uh, shortly, anyway, um, we'll have that video available at the Boat Talk website too. Can, can I ask you another question? What what's your personal opinion of split screen? You mean using split screens? Yeah, I do it quite a bit myself. I see a lot of people that do it. Can work for somebody. Why? Why you have a? I, I don't. I, I personally don't like it for myself. How big a screen are you using? Well, I uh, uh, my 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 radar doesn't take split screen anyhow. But yeah. uh, you know, just boats that I trial run. I like I like a separate screen. Well, I think that's one of the disadvantages uh, screens in general have as compared to a chart. The chart generally is at least twice as big as any screen you'll see. Yeah, yeah. And I kind of like being able to look around, too. And I think with yeah. a split screen, you're making it even tighter. Well, that, that I, I, I sometimes, thought. though, use a split screen with both charts and one, you know, at different scales. Mm -hmm. So on one side of the screen, and I'll, I, I've generally adopted head up, which bothered some old navigators who always went north up, but but it works for me. It gives me situational awareness, what's on the left, what's mm -hmm. on the right. So I'm head up, split screen, 
uh, you know, scaled way in on one side, all the detail around me, and scaled out where am I going, what's ahead. Mm. And I'll, I'll, a lot of these plotters now have, a, and radars have a feature, look ahead, where they'll move your boat, you know, down towards the edge of the screen. So you see more ahead than behind, yeah. which is reasonable in most circumstances, yeah. unless you're worried about overtaking vessels in a waterway or something like that. Um, it's 1-866-625-9378 is the number into Boat Talk if you'd like to make any sort of comment. Ben has brought some uh, some uh, equipment with him, too, for show and tell. He has a, uh, a little, I'm going to say it's about two-thirds the size of a pack of cigarettes, a little black box that is an amazing, I guess you'll call it a locator device, one you can put onto cars if you want to trail them around. <laughs> but he's able to uh, have a computer that will receive the signal from this device and track well, it onto, onto the screen. Is that right? Right. This is a, a Spot Connect, it's called. Spot is the, is the brand name. It belongs to actually the Global Star Company that owns a constellation of satellites mm -hmm. up there. Yeah. Spots have been around for three or four years. Uh, very inexpensive satellite tracker. It will also send very simple messages. You know, you touch a button and it'll send a CAM message, I'm okay, and you've already gone on a website, your website, and said... So you can set up your own messages. You yeah, know, set send, up the messages and who they go to. Um, it has a distress function like a PLB or EPIRB, but we're passing around an iPad here that a, a friend of mine is now... Uh, he was headed for the British Virgin Islands, but there's a big low out there, so they are going to Norfolk. But he's carrying uh, a couple of these spots, and he's being tracked every 10 minutes, which is really kind of neat. This is an awful lot of people using this. I've tracked boats across the Atlantic into the Pacific. Middle of the Atlantic, the coverage sort of gets So you give one of these things spotty, to, to your mother so she won't worry when you're out there. Huh? Well, here's <laughs> here's the problem. If you do this, if you set up this expectation that, you know, you're going to be able to see a vessel offshore, and then you the batteries go dead. Or uh, in this case, you have to restart the tracking every 24 hours. Um, you haven't done them any favors. Uh, now they're really worried. Your mother is calling the Coast Guard right. already. Well, what, what is this, a transponder? This is a GPS with a Global Star modem in it. And this one is designed, you run it with a phone if you want, if you yeah. want to send a message. And the good thing is you can send a custom message it's only 43 characters long, but I could, I could be out in, the, in, out where they are, halfway to Bermuda, hook this to my phone and send you a 43 character message, Giphy, everything's okay, and here's where I am, and it would yeah, yeah. come to you as email or text, and it would come with a location and so forth. Okay, we have another phone call, so let's right. go to that. Good I love morning. It. Yeah, go ahead. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. Good morning. Good morning. You're on. Uh, I heard Ben talking about the anomalies on the radar. Uh, in the spring of uh, 2010, uh, I was uh, entering Duck Harbor, so it's back in our own home territory here. I was entering Duck Harbor in the month of May, uh, and I looked at the chart plot. I'm very familiar with the water. It was a beautiful clear day, maximum visibility. I suddenly looked at the chart uh, plotter. I was heading into the harbor, about uh, 400 yards out of the harbor, and my chart plotter told me that I was heading straight on to the rock shore 500 yards to the south of the entrance to Duck Harbor. Now, this anomaly lasted 
for about oh three minutes, and I have a that system was with a, a good manufacturer, four years old at that time. I've used it ever since. I've never had a, a repeat incident. So it just shows you uh, only because I was in a location where I could see the differentiation between the anomaly and the actuality was I able to assess what was happening. So it's a, it, it gives you a little bit of a cold feeling uh, if you're in a tight shape. Hmm. So you said it lasted for about three minutes. Did, did it actually correct itself and, and relook? Re corrected itself and never reappeared uh, in the last 18 months. Huh. Huh. That's interesting. Uh, unbelievable. And never didn't give you a warning of a bad GPS signal or anything like that? No, nothing at all. Yeah. Absolutely nothing at all. Completely by surprise. And I've used this uh, all the way up through the Canadian Maritimes, Gulf of St. Lawrence, uh, all over the place, the coast of Maine. And never, never a single problem. Uh, that's and the other thing about when uh, you were mentioning is of the GS84. Uh, some of the Canadian charts are uh, a little bit touchy on that, and it, it's a good idea to learn how to put compensation in uh, in certain locations on your chart bottom. Okay, we'll take that as good advice. One of the I think interesting things about what's going on with uh, iPads and phones and stuff. Charts on those are so inexpensive that it, there's an opportunity now to have a different set of charts or a couple different sets of charts. You can you can buy all the Navionics charts in the United States for twenty five dollars on an iPad. And so if you're using CMAP charts or Garmin charts, now you got some another source. When you go into a place you don't know very well, you you got another. I mean, they're all basing it on NOAA data, but they they express things differently. Sometimes they you know, emphasize things differently and some and have different update rates. A lot of the, um, you know, smart downloadable smartphone charts are very current. I can I can download a s fresh set of Navionics charts on this right now, and they're good till last week hmm. uh, in terms of updates. So it's a nice opportunity. So you're saying it's good to have a second opinion then? Huh? Yeah, I like to have. Yeah. I, I believe in in lots of sources, trusting none, using. Everything you can. That's that's my navigation theory at this well, point in life. Well, you can't really trust none, though. That's the problem. You got to sort of well pick the, what you think is your best choice. Mm -hmm. huh? Yeah, I, I mean, I just approach things cautiously. Yeah, um, I, I, I'd love to mention. There's I, we we're just talking about this spot. The connect. spot. Uh, a main company, Delorme, is just now introducing a product called InReach that I think is going to be tremendous for a lot of boaters. It's kind of like this. It's a little handheld device, but it's an Iridium modem in it, which means it will work globally. Um, it's got a GPS built in. It's uh, bigger than this, a little bigger than this, and a little more expensive. It's $250. But it's got a, a very solid distress function in it. It's got a couple canned messages. It will do tracking, and it will do an interface with a phone and two-way messaging. So you can be outside cellular and high degree of reliability, contact people ashore. They can even contact you. The little device will start blinking, saying you've got a message. Uh, 
hmm. from shore. I've been beta testing it. You, what, you picked that message up on your cell phone? Yeah, the interface for messaging yeah. is a phone because they yeah. don't put a screen yeah. on this yeah. thing. Uh, that makes it, so the device is going to be $250 and a $120 yearly subscription gets you a few messages and track points and you can, you know, pay for extra. But it looks like um, I, I, the rescue community is very excited about it because two-way communication means there'll be less false alarms and more hmm. um, communication between, say, a helicopter and a, and a boat that's sinking, stuff like that. But right. it, it's yeah. neat that it's happening right here in Maine. All right. We have another phone call, so we'll yep. go to that quickly. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Oh, Michael, how are you? I'm excellent, thank you. Really great. I missed the first half of the show. I was down boating. Um, I meant to listen in. and uh, But driving back, I, uh, I was listening, and so... Uh, called my attention because I spent, uh, I actually had a very frivolous, exciting three months this year. I took off and went sailing for three months and uh, crossed the top of the, the planet and, um, and had all sorts of interesting experiences with navigational devices. So I left um, the deck Nova Scotia and crossed the Cabot Strait, Gulf of St. Lawrence up the Straits of Belle Isle, stopped into Bombay, Newfoundland, and then up to Battle Harbor, Labrador, up the coast of Labrador to Cartwright and across the Labrador Sea, around the bottom of Greenland, up to Denmark Strait, to Iceland, Iceland, the Vestman Islands, the Faroe Islands, the Shetlands, the Orkneys, the Inverness, through the Caledonian Canal, and down to Oban. Wow. Came That's back quite three a months trip. Later. It was quite a trip, an amazing trip, um, with a great guy, who, an Australian, who sailed here from Australia in this boat, and uh, via Cape Horn, too. Anyway, we had uh, one interesting thing that I didn't... We, we had a lot of... We, we had a chart plotter, but he also had... He's got charts of the entire world put into laptops and, um, and used one program called OpenCPN. Right. And I don't know whether you know this. I certainly did not know this. But uh, you can go to NOAA's website, and you can download OpenCPN and about eight or nine other um, software programs that they offer, the links to, right there. And you can also download all the American NOAA charts you want absolutely free of charge. That's right, in, in two formats, raster and vector, ENC, yeah, ENC totally and RNC. Yeah, no, that's been and, going um, on for years. So, uh, so that, was, that was news to me, and, and, um, and we also had a fellow come aboard. We had a crew member join us. There were just two of us until Iceland, and he came aboard, and he brought one of these spot devices that your guest was just talking about. And uh, his wife was very uneasy about him going. He's kind of a lake sailor from down Georgia way, and was uneasy about him uh, going off into the wild oceans of the world, and so she made him buy this spot thing, and he was emailing her back and forth whenever we had Wi-Fi when we got to land, and, and apparently she was just totally and absolutely thrilled with the whole thing. I, I, think, I think they watched it. I, I think it went to Google Earth or something like that. Um, I don't really remember precisely, but she was able to follow the track of the boat every harbor we went to um, pretty much in real time. And uh, it really gave her a connection uh, to, to what was going on and where we were. Um, it w actually, it wasn't a connection that I was really thrilled about because part of the, you know, in a way, because it's sort of antithetical to what you're trying to do, which is get away from <laughs> what's going on in the world. Um, but, uh, but I have to say that the piece, of, um, the piece of equipment that I was most impressed with uh, um, was we had, we, 
we had it on board, but we didn't get it hooked up until I think the Faroe Isles, and we had a, an AIS receiver, yeah. about a hundred and twenty dollar yeah. antenna, and just plugs into the laptop. And uh, what an, what an absolutely phenomenally useful piece of gear in busy in busy uh, traffic lanes, especially with poor visibility. We you know we left. Kirkwall in the Orkney Islands at midnight one night to catch the tide going down towards Inverness, and we had 35 hits on the AIS. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with this, but um, it basically every ship has to have one. Every ship, every oil rig, every tug, um, and <clears throat> they the little icons show up on your on your chart plotter, and they there are three different colors: is red, yellow, and green, and and it decides judging by your course and speed and the different targets' course and speed, um, whether they are a threat to you. Um, you put them, the cursor over them. It tells you that this is the, um, you know, the MV uh, Brattleboro, 235 feet long, moving at 17 knots. Um, it's just an incredible piece of gear. And radar is good, you know, but, I mean, you can just imagine trying to keep track of 35 targets on a radar. I mean, you can go mental. Mm-hmm. And um, if you've got one or two, that's not bad. But that piece of gear I thought was one of the most amazing uh, modern inventions that I, that I have seen for very, that, to really keep you safe in places like that, you know, a place like the English Channel or anywhere where you've got a lot of uh, shipping. Yeah, really fun, uh, really fun time and very interesting. Uh, learned quite a lot, a lot of things. This is an AIS. Yes, I just installed one for the first time on about the summer too, and uh, glad you explained it to me. I didn't realize what I was installing. I just—it's just basically a little, uh, a little box with no switches and just a light that says it's off or on. Right. And, and uh, I, I was wondering what it did. So thank you. For yeah, that automatic that. identification system, and and uh, it, it, I, I just—I mean, it, it's not going to help you around the coast of Maine in the fog because. What we have, I mean, maybe it would up at Eastport, but obviously the biggest traffic we have to deal with here is lobster boats all running around, and they don't have AIS transponders. Um, but, um, yeah, there's a lot of places in the world, you know, where there is a lot of shipping, and uh, going in and out of Boston Harbor, or, you know, anywhere that's really busy, New York, um, what, what, an, what an extraordinary piece of gear, and just a, just a great invention, uh, making much safer, and... Uh, for for low dollars, you know, it's not a huge investment, 120 bucks or something like that. Well, e- even the there there are two forms of AIS transponder, Class A and Class B. Class A is what you're seeing on those ships. It yep. transmits at 12 watts, visible, often 30, 40 miles away. Class B is a two watt. It, they all transmit on the same frequencies, and Class B, which is really meant for recreational boats, um, is. I've been using it for years and following it very closely, following the whole AIS thing. Um, it's now gotten to the point of about $600. And you can be not just a listener to the system, but a part of the system. and Provider, bro- yeah. Yeah, and broadcast. And a couple of interesting things going on. Um, sometime this winter, the Coast Guard is going to announce a new set of mandates. The ships have been required to carry a- AIS for several years now, but, but individual nations are allowed to mandate AIS as they see fit, and the Coast Guard the first time around was pretty um, 
lenient about it in terms of commercial boats. They're going to change that. They're about to mandate AIS on about 14,000 commercial vessels, tugs that are smaller than the ones mandated before, fishing vessels, passenger vessels. And that means the, the whole coasts are going to, you know, those are often the boats that are moving all the time and moving in fog and bad weather. Yeah. So, so right. the usefulness of AIS is going to increase a lot along the U.S. coast. And meanwhile, the availability of Class B um, has gotten much less expensive. They're very small. Now, you look at West Marine, there's one for, f I think, four ninety nine. It's very good quality AIS transponder. They have, you have to register that, though, don't you? Absolutely. You can't, yeah, it yeah, won't it work unless you have an MMSI number. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. you can get that for free from Boat yeah, US yeah. or CETO. Um, and this is a good segue. I've got another, too bad this is radio, because show and tell. This is a little handheld AIS SART, which means uh, search and rescue transponder. And this yeah. is designed for, like, man overboard situations. It's, it's in one, you know, it's, I'm holding it in one hand. It's a one-watt AIS transmitter. It transmits. You don't register this one. It comes pre-programmed. It, uh, you know, every receiver knows it's a SART. If you, it has a test mode, which I've tried, and uh, it'll push up a window on almost any plotter now that receives AIS and say uh, SART test and give you a go-to waypoint. It's designed for, they're originally designed for like ships, lifeboats, but now they're getting yeah. to the size where they're man overboard tools. And uh, oh. I, I've tested it half a mile away from my boat at water level. It got it fine. They're getting them from ships at, you know, nine miles, helicopters at 20 miles. Hmm. Um, it looks like it's going to be, it's not yet approved by the FCC. They haven't sort of written the standard for the U.S., but they're, they're being used in Europe. Um, it looks like a terrific man overboard system. It means somebody falls off your boat, you have AIS, you can retrieve them, but, which is good, self-rescue, but also any boats around or rescue authorities can also see the person. And he keeps transmitting his position. Um, it's a good, good innovation. Hmm. Well, water activated too? Uh, they have one. This one's manually activated. We don't live in an area where we have that kind of traffic, but I, I know the, <coughs> the co-captain on ship my son used to run, uh, a man by the name of Dave Weatherall from Northport. He took the ship to, uh, I don't know, over to Singapore or someplace like that, a special run, and said that it, he was tracking 60 targets at a time. Wow. Now that's a oh, lot. you can see hundreds. Sing huh? Singapore Straits. and You know, Somewhere. you can see live AIS on the web. There's several sites where they're have shore receivers. Uh, a good one is marine traffic. Yeah. And it, it, the main coast is not well covered. There's a little bit of coverage, like Bar Harbor. But you look in the English Channel, oh, or yeah. Straits yeah. of Singapore, yeah. you will see, you know, you'll see it's delayed like a couple minutes, but you'll see what this stuff is, what it does, all oh, the information. It's so, just so useful. I mean, I, I don't think, if you haven't been there, you don't understand what a place like the English Channel is like. I mean, Boats get run down there just about every yeah. year. You I, know, th small. I think terrifying is the operating word. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And a lot of these modern freighters, are, they're not plodding along at 11, 12, or 15 knots anymore. They're making 27. Mm, yeah. And, uh, you know, in the fog, and yeah, I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, like, I, I can't tell you how impressed I was with this, with this technology. I definitely, if I was going off away, um, I, again, 
I would definitely want to want to have that aboard the boat. Absolutely, um, uh, great thing for safety. Yet very very, you, you know, you'd feel stupid not having it. For yeah, cost. that's the way I look at it. There's a there's a neat product. There's a combined VHF radio and AIS receiver. Um, Standard Horizon makes it's a, a, a fairly inexpensive way to to get. Yeah, I've seen that. And, and one of the neat things is the MMSI number that's used in AIS should be the same one that's on your radio. So if you have those two combined, and Garmin does it uh, over a network, you can direct call a ship. You can see a target, and the, since the radio knows its MMSI number, you can tell the radio, uh, you know, make this guy's VHF ring on channel 13 or whatever you want, and hopefully they will accept the call, and you're talking directly to the bridge of that ship. Yeah. Um, if not, and you, you, know, at least and you know, know what, you're, what you're talking to, right? I mean, it, it that's gives right. you all the information of the ship you're communicating Exactly. And if yeah, you're, you're transponding, he knows who he's talking who, to. Who you are, yeah. 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 Well, I'm going to get off, guys. A, a great show as usual. Sorry I missed the first half. And uh, um, uh, re-entry mode has been fully accomplished now. I've been back since <laughs> September 19th. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Welcome Those back, Michael. Oh, what, yeah. All right. Thank you for that call. There's still go back to one basic thing, I would say, with the, all this wonderful equipment, it's, it's still going to be an experienced person. I thoroughly agree. Yeah. 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 you got to keep your wits about you. <laughs> and, and even an old guy <laughs> like me has got a lot to learn about it. Yeah. That's right. And I, I, I have seen people completely yeah. buffaloed by their electronics, just kind of, staring yeah. at screens yeah. and it's not good uh, yeah um, well they're they're like some people with their boats they're afraid of it yeah 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 um, well that's why they make captains <laughs> <laughs> uh we're coming up on the end of boat talk here at community radio weru fm blue hill and before the end i'd like to uh, remind you that we are in the middle of our pledge week right now uh, trying to raise some money to keep the station going weru is a non-commercial non-profit uh, community radio station here down east maine and a lot of people listen to this in the form of podcasts so uh, whenever you hear this appreciate uh, the fact that the podcast is free but it doesn't uh, the station doesn't operate for free too we have to pay your electric bills and all that sort of stuff so if you can support WERU any way you can, please give us a call at one no, toll-free for pledging is, well, let's say it's area code 207-469-0, area code 207-469-6600 will get you right to the front desk. Or you can go to weru.org and pledge online anytime. <laughs> Here is the, the pledge phone number, 1-800-643-6273. Well, we got just a couple of minutes left, too, and I, I warned Ben already, too, that one of my favorite topics this time of the a month when we're coming up on a full moon is any uh, full moon stories of being out on the water you might happen to have. Mike and I have discussed those in the past, and... Let heard a lot of howling out there. <laughs> <laughs> Not, usually when it's howling, you can't see the full moon. <laughs> no, one of mine was uh, uh, phosphorescence, a phenomenon you don't yeah. see so much anymore. Yeah. I, I don't know about that, but oh, uh, seeing uh, porpoises in phosphorescence at night in the full moon yeah. is pretty spectacular. There's, mm. there's something different here this year, though, the uh, 
So I don't know what it means, but birds have changed a lot just in the last few weeks. The, a lot of the birds just left all of a sudden, just come left. There's only a few birds left around. Then I noticed that the guillemots that are usually out in the bay are in the harbors. Huh. It's interesting, but I, it's, some, it's something a little different. And yeah. so they said fishermen say a lot of the ospreys and eagles have moved out somewhere. So. Whoa. You know, I noticed that too in Camden, the, the ducks and geese and stuff gone. I saw one duck yesterday, and he was the exception for the last yeah, few weeks. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Just, it, it just, it, 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 it was noticeable to me. What huh. does it mean? They know something's coming. Yeah, that's well, what makes you wonder. Yeah, winter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I'm a coward. I'll be gone. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, this is, is Giffy's, right? Giffy's last show for this year. He's yeah. going to go yeah. south. Yeah. So it's yeah. about time to wrap up Boat Talk here on Community Radio WERU FM Blue Hill. Thanks again to Ben Ellison. Uh, writer for many magazines and electronics uh, advisor for coming on the Boat Talk. And thanks again to Giffy Tool. We'll see you again next spring, Giffy. Have a good winter. Thanks, Alan. Thank you, folks. Stay tuned for On the Wing coming up next year on Community Radio, WERU-FM, Blue Hill. Support for Boat Talk made possible in part by Gamble and Hunter Sailmakers, making sails for classic boats, cruising boats, and the main windjammers for 30 years. Near the harbor in Camden, gambleandhunter.net.